Welcome back to week four of The Gathering. We are in a series over work, 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 as Riri would say. Andy has walked us through that work is good, that work is good for you, that it's a great training ground. He has taught us that work is our mission field. And tonight I'm gonna talk about renewing your mind. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Craig Calvert. Uh, I co-lead Team Front Porch. Where are you guys at? Yeah. Quick plug, if you can smile and or say hi, we would love to have you on our team. Most of our people can either smile or say hi. If you could do both, we would love that. Um, I also uh, love to teach my college kids. They keep me young, don't they? Actually, they crush my soul more times than they don't because they don't get my 90s movie quotes or music quotes. But I love you guys, and I love, to, I love to teach you on Sunday mornings. So a little bit about me. I went to UCO, and I studied industrial safety. And in 2012, I graduated, and I went into the oil and gas industry. And that is what I do uh, currently as well. Uh, something happened in my life around 2013. I like to make the joke that uh, I grew up Baptist, but I've been a Christian for like five years. Because... Uh, and that's not a knock towards Baptist. Uh, I just went to church my whole life and just wasn't interested in it at all. And something happened in my life around 2013, and I decided I really wanted to start following the Lord. But uh, like I said, I went into the oil and gas industry in 2012. So my testimony has a lot of work uh, intertwined with my testimony. And so tonight, I'm going to go over what my secret sauce is for being a Christ follower in the oil and gas industry. We're gonna be going over Romans 12 if you got your Bible. But <clears throat> while you're flipping there, I'm gonna start this the same way that, I'm not gonna say I never do this anymore. Allie just laughed, you're gonna call me out? I'm not gonna say I never do this anymore. Most days I don't do this, but I think a lot of us can relate. So what's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> <clears throat> Let's see what happened on Instagram in between 11 o'clock last night and 7 a.m. this morning. I'm dying to know. Some girl on a rooftop wearing the spring line of J. Crew. The last shirt I got was from Ross and it has a hole in it. Aren't sweet. Oh, Craig and Allie are the perfect couple. That's sweet. What do you think about that, babe? Oh, there is no babe because you can't buy a date. Oh, the Roshkovs had another kid. Was that like 20 for them? Oh, look, someone's cleaning up their new Lexus. I'm driving O2 Toyota Camry. Okay, I'm done with this. And you wake up and you put your, ho you put your holy shirt on you didn't think people noticed the hole, but it's starting to get a little bigger now. And you get in your car and you start driving to work and you're anxious and depressed and nothing's even happened yet. You don't even know why. And of course on this day, Hefner Parkway is going 10 miles an hour. And so you're looking at your clock and you're looking at how slow the traffic's going and you got 15 minutes to get to work and it's gonna take you 25 minutes if there was no traffic. And you're like, I'm, this is not gonna happen today. I'm not getting, on, get there, getting there on time. So you get in the parking lot 
You look at your clock, you're 10 minutes late. It's probably no one will notice. So you try to sneak in and the first person you see is Karen. And she makes some passive aggressive comment like, mm, so nice of you to join us today. And you're like, it is Karen. It's so good to see you. I hate Karen. Who even likes that lady? What is wrong with her? Then you go and you sit down at your computer and your butt does not even touch the seat yet before Chad's standing at your door. And he's just leaning on the frame. You're like, can I help you, Chad? He's like, just wondering if you saw the email I sent you. I'm like, Chad, you know I have not seen the email that you sent me. You followed me into my office. I just sat down. He's like, well, just wondering if you saw my memo last week about fonts. I read your uh, TPS report and it was still in the wrong font. And you're like, Chad, I'm gonna fight you. Today is the day. I've known this day is coming for a long time. Chad, we are gonna have to fight. How many of us have had mornings like this? Don't lie. Okay, what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning is that we need to repurpose the way that we spend our mornings. We need to renew our minds so when we get to work, we can show our coworkers who Jesus is and not who Satan is. Flip to Romans 12. So he says, verse two, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable to you. So tonight's message is about renew, the renewing your mind, that specific part of that verse, what it looks like to wake up, renew your mind, spend time with the Lord. I told you that in 2013, I started following the Lord. In 2014, something started happening in my life. I had not changed any of the way I was living at work, but outside of work, things were going pretty well for me. I was plugged into a small group. I was going to the gathering. I had a small group on Wednesday night, church on Sunday. But when I got to work, you couldn't have seen a difference in my actions from 2012 to 2013. I was still acting the same way, still cussing, still telling cruel jokes. I was being harsh. I was gossiping about coworkers. I was really in love with materialistic things. If you work in the oil field, you know this is a struggle. I had not one truck, I had two trucks because they gave me a company truck to drive, but it had cloth interior and it didn't have navigation. And the personal one that I had that I was paying outrageous amount of monthly payments on, it had leather and navigation, so I kept it. So I was living just like the world, but something happened in 2014 where I started feeling the weight of my own sin at work. I would leave work and I would feel just anxious and drained and just weary. And then about that time, I heard a pastor say, uh, talking about quiet time. So he says, I wake up early in the morning. My first thought was pass. And then he was like, and I read my Bible. And I'm like, hard pass, because you do not get AR points for reading your Bible. And so I stopped reading when they stopped giving me AR points. Anyone relate to that? I did not like reading growing up at all. Did not enjoy it, never did it. 
I had a Bible, but I carried it to, the only time I had it was when I carried it to church just to kind of let people know that like, I'm pretty serious about being here. Like I have a notebook, moleskin notebook. So anyway, but I didn't, I didn't ever read it. Um, so somewhere around 2014, I decided that I needed to try quiet time. I knew what was happening in my life. I knew I was feeling the weight of my own sin. And I knew that I needed to spend some time with the Lord in the morning before I went into what is a pretty sinful industry to be in. So I woke up, I made a cup of coffee and I started listening to a guy named Matt Chandler. He's an awesome pastor in Dallas. They post all of their sermons on YouTube. So I thought I'm going to drink a cup of coffee and listen to Matt Chandler. And I'd do that for about 45 minutes and I'd get dressed and go to work. And over those weeks and months, I saw my behavior start transforming at work and it started morally, you know, maybe I would stop trying to cuss as much or I would stop being so harsh and rude to people. I would try to be more positive. I would try not to gossip about Karen, even though it's so hard not to. And I started, uh, and then that kind of morphed into me trying to share my faith a little bit. I wasn't bold about it. I would kind of just make comments, you know, how was your weekend? It was really good. I went to church. I'm, I'm blessed. And then I just, I wasn't very good at it, but I was trying, you know, and then that morphed into by the time that I left GE, we would meet every single Thursday at lunch and go through the Bible. We were doing a Bible study. So I've seen in my life that God has transformed me, molded me, shaped me more in the times in between 5.30 and 7 than any part of my day. And so tonight, I'm going to walk through what that looks like to uh, be transformed and to renew your mind. First, if I'm scaring anyone off yet with the morning, it doesn't have, you don't have to renew your mind in the morning. I think I have compelling arguments why it's a good thing. It's morning. It's new. Nothing of your day has happened so far that will really affect the way you read the Bible. I think it's a great way to set the trajectory of your day. You read the Bible, your heart is focused on that, and then you go to work. I think it's a great argument for why it's got to be in the morning, but it doesn't have to. All of these things can apply whether it's morning or evening. So before I get into what it is, I want to talk about what it isn't. Quiet time in the morning, or renewing your mind in the morning is not a way to manufacture grace. We don't wake up, stumble begrudgingly through some uh, scripture so God won't strike us down with lightning that day. It's not like God's like, well, really planned on striking Craig with lightning, but he read his Bible, even though he really didn't enjoy any of it. I'll just... I'll just wait till Friday. There's no way he'll make it till Friday. We're not changing God's mind of what he had in store for us today. It's not a barter tool so that your day might go better. That's a form of prosperity gospel. That's not what we're doing. What it is, is it's sweet time alone with the creator and savior of the entire world so that you may know him and love him more. We gotta get this, this time of renewing your mind it took me from knowing about God. Remember, I was raised Baptist. I went to all the VBSs. I went to Falls Creek. I knew about God. I didn't know him. We didn't know each other on a first name basis. I didn't know him. They say that you end up like the five people that you spend the most time with. We need to spend enough time with Jesus that we start transforming and loving the things that he loves, hating the things that he does that uh, 
He hates. So when you're renewing your mind in the morning, here's four points that you'll see happen at work. Number one, you will joyfully submit to all authority. Um, If you can't wake up and submit to a perfect and loving God that wants to spend time with you, it's gonna be very hard to turn around and go to work and submit to a imperfect boss. I have an amazing boss. It's easy to submit to him, but that's not impressive. There's nothing impressive about doing something for someone who's good to you. Luke 6 says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners can love who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners can do the same. We need to submit to the Lord to the point where we can submit to a Michael Scott for a boss. If you are working for Michael Scott right now, I wanna say this. We need to expect non-believers to act in a sinful way. Sin will govern their actions. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He said, the unbeliever like the devil can have an intellectual grasp of what sin is, who God is, and so on. The problem is with the corruption of the unbeliever's mind and nature. The sinful mind has a gravitational pull towards certain things, just as it is the nature of a sheep to want to eat grass and not meat. So it's the nature of a sinner to want sin and not God. Physically, there's no reason why a sheep cannot eat meat and a lion cannot eat grass, but it is against their nature. And in this sense, they cannot do so. If you are working for a non-believer right now, I've been there and it's hard, but it's impossible if you don't wake up and submit to the Lord before you go to work. The other thing is, is we need to expect sinners to act according to their nature. Sometimes the thing that hurts our feelings the most is our expectations of them. We expect them to be kind and patient and loving to us. That's a, those are attributes of a believer. We need to expect them to act exactly according to their nature. Number two, you will have a clear mind to work. Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Me waking up in the morning and renewing my mind has given me rest for my soul. When I don't do it, I go to work and I just start getting anxious and restless. And my mind goes 100 miles an hour and I start thinking about things that are out of my control. I start thinking about, am I really doing the things that God wants me to do? I mean, like, I love teaching. Maybe he wants me to do ministry, except, well, God's sovereign. So if he wanted me doing that, he'd have me doing that. I guess he wants me at cactus. So am I doing enough at cactus? Well, where am I going to be in three years? Are Allie and I going to be in the same house? Are we going to have a kid? And my mind goes berserk. Here's the problem with that amongst a lot of problems. How can you focus on work when your anxieties are going a thousand miles an hour about stuff that's completely out of your control. When I get into quiet time and I have a renewed mind, I work productive, not busy. I've been there before. We all work with someone who seems real busy, 
If you talk to them, they can give you a hundred things that they're working on, except you never see them finish any of them. Back when I was in my last job, you know, I had seven branches. And so you could ask me on any given day, what are you up to today? And I got real good at rehearsing all the things that I was up to. Oh, I got to do this and this and this and this. I'll give you 20 things. Problem was, is I was only getting about two of those 20 things done because I was the most anxious I've ever been in my life and the most stressed. And that doesn't produce hard work that paralyzes you. It doesn't give you fruitful, productive work habits. When I have a restful soul and I come into work and I have 20 things to do, I just start doing them. Need to order gloves for the shop. Hey, need gloves. Yep, just 10 of each size. Cool, thanks. That took a minute. Now I have seven hours and 59 minutes where I have to do other stuff. You get to the next thing and you just knock it out. When your mind is at rest and you're just joyful in the Lord, you just work, you just plow through the day. We have these things at our shop, uh, in our um, business called concern cards. I didn't clarify earlier, I'm a safety manager. And so what a concern card is, is uh, you can bring concerns to the company and hopefully I'll find a fix for you. So, hey, this is how I do my job. I have to you know, constantly bend over and use the tool, whatever. And what I do is hopefully find a fix for it. I get you a different tool, I build you a stand, and you, they feel good because I helped them do their job safer and they got a new tool. I feel good because I, I made the workplace a little bit safer. But that's not what 98% of the concern cards are that I get. <laughs> we have entered 1,400 since January 1st. 1,400, okay? And 1398 or whatever of those were, well, I saw Craig speeding on the forklift and I saw someone come through the shop without glasses on and they're just mind numbing. There was a guy that kept writing one up about his tools being misplaced. And I would go talk to him and I'd be like, can I help you with this? He's like, I can't find my tools. It's like, I'm trying really hard to see the safety concern in that. Why are you losing your tools? And he's like, well, I think people are stealing them. So you have, you, know, you have a security issue on your hands. And I'm like, no, I think you're losing them. But on days where I'm not in the word and I'm just, just kind of slipping into the things of the world, I hate these things. I'm bitter about it. I gripe about it, just like everyone else does. But look, they got to get entered into the system. Every single card has to be entered into the system. And so when I get to work and I have a renewed mind, renewed spirit, I just start tackling that stack. And to be honest with you, I like doing it lately because it gives me time to repurpose my time. And I'll either binge listen to a podcast. Last week, Andy recommended a book called Gay Girl, Good God, super good read. Download the audio version of it. And I listened to the entire book while I was entering these concern cards. So now I have found ways to repurpose my time. And I found joy in the tasks that everyone at hate at work hates doing. We have got to work in such a way where people start asking questions like, why does Craig joyfully enter those tattletale cards? Are you kidding me? What, like, why is he always in such a good mood? 
I don't think they say that about me, if I'm being honest. They might a lot most days. All right. Point number three is you'll be a blessing to people, not a burden. We all have that person at work that we just hate seeing coming down the hall because no matter what you do, they're just always so negative. Like you tell them something positive and they give you four things negative. We have so many of these guys at work. We'll get them hats monthly. We get them stuff all the time. And I'll give them a hat and they'll be like, well, last time we got a jacket. And I'm like, well, now you have a jacket and a hat. So you're really doing good. I read a, uh, there's a book that Paul wrote, it's called Philemon. And there's something that stood out to me in that book. And it was uh, when Paul said, I thank the Lord for you because of your work refreshing the saints. And it's, it's been on my heart for a while because what would that look like for us to be a person that you could come to and feel better, feel refreshed, feel encouraged? As a Christ follower in the world, in the oil field, we cannot afford to be the one that's always negative and always grumbling. Attitude is everything in the workplace. I had a, I had a guy that worked for me, and if I gave him 10 things to do, he messed eight of them up. And, but he had a really humble attitude and was really positive and worked really, really hard. And I would hire him today if I could. And I would recommend him 10 times out of 10. He, 10. he was an amazing dude. But then on the contrary, the girl that replaced him, she did some good things for our company. She made some cool posters. She implemented some good policies and procedures. She did a pretty good job. All I remember about her is how confrontational she was. She had a terrible attitude. For Christ followers, it's really hard if we're negative all the time. And then we pop in and we're like, can we tell you about Jesus? The fourth thing that living with a renewed mind will do is you will start living out the will of God. And I know everyone's about to get on the edge of their seat because we all want to know what the will of God is for our life. And I'm about to give it to you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 12, he says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you and the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourself. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Jesus's will for us is that we are going to encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all. Re don't repay evil for evil. Seek to do good to all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. What would your work look like if you started living out this way? If someone is faint-hearted at work, shame on us that they have to go home to their spouse or to their church to find encouragement. We all have a person at our job that is the weaker link. And most of us sit around and gossip about all the things that they're screwing up. What would it look like 
if this week we came alongside the person that was the weak link and showed them where they could improve, where they can get better, and we coached them and walked through them and helped the weak? What would it look if we were patient with all? It says, don't repay evil with evil. We should expect sinners to sin. They're gonna do things that are evil against us. And our biggest calling is that we don't repay that evil with evil. We live for a higher calling. We need to seek to do good to all, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. What would it look like if you prayed every single morning for your job, for your coworkers, for your boss? So I have two questions. If you joyfully submitted to all authority, if you had a clear mind to work and were productive, if you were a blessing to your work, not a burden, and if you acted out the will of God in your job, what would happen to your career and what would happen to the kingdom of God? I'll tell you what would happen to your career. Your career would skyrocket if this is really how you lived. Who would not want to hire a person that was doing these things. And people will start watching and they're gonna say, I want what Craig has. I don't understand why, how he's you know, in such a good mood. He, he is so kind, he's so helpful to people. And, and they, as they watch my career progress, they're gonna want what I have. Now the door is wide open for me to, let, to share the gospel with them. So how do I renew my mind in the morning? Here, that was a long way up to my secret sauce. Here's the three things I do in the morning. I pray, I read, I pray in that order. My first prayer is always the shorter one of the two. I pray that uh, the Lord opens my eyes to the scriptures. I pray that I can understand them and retain them. I pray that they change me and admonish me. And I pray that I go out in the day and I can act out what I read. And then I go into reading the scriptures. Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon in 1879 called How to Read the Bible. <clears throat> he said, the reader must understand what is written. Understanding is the meaning of es meaning is the essence of true reading. When the eye free wills over verses and leaves the mind unengaged, that's no true reading at all. Christians throw their eyes over chapters of the Bible and could do so just as well with the Bible turned upside down. We need to read until we understand and keep plowing and keep plowing. There's a bunch of resources out there. ESV Study Bible is a really good resource. When I read something and don't understand it, I always go to my ESV Study Bible first. But hear me say this. It is better for you to understand two verses of the Bible than it is to read a thousand verses and walk away not having a clue what you just read. We need to go slow and we need to meditate on the words. Spurgeon said, goes on to say, God put so many challenging and obscure passages that we may, or that our appetite for divine things might be whetted and our minds compelled to be active. 
He says, we must meditate on the words. These grapes will yield no wine until they're tread upon. The reason that it's so important to get into the word in the morning is because there must be a knowledge of God before there can be love to God. I think that's why sometimes altar calls rub me such the wrong way. I had a friend get baptized and she was asking my sister what baptism meant. And I think we do, I think altar calls are misleading because they are, you have some pastor yelling at you, come up here and, and surrender and, and you'll be saved from eternal hell. And, and these people go up and they're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I just don't want to go to hell. And there's no knowledge of who Jesus is. That's not, there's, that's no true salvation at all. There must be knowledge of Jesus, who he was, his work and his person before there can be salvation. <clears throat> there must be knowledge of divine things that's there revealed before you can enjoy them. How can we start truly forgiving people before we even understand what forgiveness is? It says in Colossians 3.13, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You must also forgive each other. So this isn't how I actually think that the uh, judgment throne is gonna work, but this helps me understand forgiveness and what I'm forgiven of and justification and all that. So I always picture that I go up to the throne and God starts reading off all of my sins. Ooh, Craig Calvert. Never, never could quite figure out how to tame his tongue. And, you know, and, and he's reading sin by sin by sin. And I'm just on the floor and I'm just in a puddle of my own tears and I can't even lift my head. And Jesus is sitting next to me the whole time while God is reading my sins off. And God says, so Craig, let me ask you a question. On what basis do you think that you deserve to be into heaven? And I can't even lift my head. I can't even get a word out of my mouth. And Jesus looks up and he goes, Craig put his faith in me. So his sins were paid for on the cross. So he's with me. He picks me up and he walks me in. When you come to that reality of what I've been forgiven, it was free to me, but it's not free. It was paid for on the cross. When you come face to face with that reality, how would you turn around then and start picking and choosing who you're gonna forgive? When you understand forgiveness, you will be free to freely forgive. R.C. Sproul said that there's a lot of reactions in the Bible when people encounter Jesus, but boredom is never one of them. We got to kick the notion that reading the Bible is boring. I thought it, I th you know, I would just, I, would, I used to do this thing. I don't know if anyone's ever done this. It's like, oh, Lord, please speak to me. It's like, Nehemiah, like, that can't be right. I'm going to do, do it one more time. It's like, Lord, please speak to me. It's like, nope. We have to kick the notion that reading the Bible is boring. We need to find something that excites us and that makes us want to go to bed so we can get up in the morning. Most of our problems is that we're staying up late, scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you do before you go to bed. And then we're like, I just don't really have time to read the Bible. It's like, well, what did you do for two hours? Let's see your screen time because I really doubt that you could not find time at night. We just, we're so busy that we can't even fit this into our lives. <clears throat> Find something that excites you and just 
dive in and stay in. I remember a sweet season of uh, my life where I was reading John and I was loving John. I was trying to figure out what was in John that wasn't in Luke and wasn't in Mark. And I was comparing and contrasting the different gospels. And I just loved John. I love, I love the way he writes. I love the way he thinks. And I got to the end of John and I was like, I'm kind of bummed that John is over. Like, I don't want to start something else. So I went back to John 1. It was exciting me. Why, why move on? We just need to meditate in something, the Word of God. That, the uh, Hebrews 4.12, where it says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. That verse is talking about the Word of God will change you. If we live and meditate in the Word of God long enough, we will start to be changed. We will start to love the things he loves. Then when I'm done, whether that takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, I read when I'm done reading, not when I'm at a good, good stopping place. Or not, I'm sorry, not when I have to go to work. I'm kind of, I'm kind of lucky in that way. But then I pray again. And this time, this is going to be the lengthier prayer. This time I'm praying over what I just read. And you need to be able to tweet what you just read. Like, Lord, thank you for your grace. Like, thank you for your patience with the Israelites that you also have with me. Thank you for your love. You need to have something that you took away from the scriptures. That's the only way that I have personally found that it sticks with me through the day when I can declare a sentence of what I just read. And you need to thank him for that. And then I start praying for people. I start with Allie. I, I pray that she has a good day, that she feels loved by God, feels loved by me. I pray for specific people in my small group, uh, the things that they're going through and what they need. And then I start praying about my day on a larger scale. Pray that I can be a light at work. Pray that I can honor God with my decisions. Um, and I start praying for coworkers. I start praying that their hearts might be softened and that if that happens, that I would be eager, willing, and bold to come in and share the gospel with them. I want to share a quick story of prayer before the worship team comes back up. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we were leading worship at a church called Cherokee Hills Baptist Church, and Mark asked us to pray for one of his coworkers' girl. And she was, she was around eight or so, she was young, and she was not eating, and it was getting bad. She had went months without eating, and they are having to feed her through a tube. And if she did not eat soon, it was not gonna be good. And so Mark asked us to pray, and I gave the stereotypical, like, yeah, I'll be praying for her. And I th it might've been Jeremy, I can't remember who it was, but it was like, well, let's just pray for her right now. We all kind of looked at each other like, yeah, we could do that. And so four grown men got in a circle and we prayed that God would put his hand on this girl and would remove whatever was going on mentally or physically with her and just give her the ability to eat. We, and we did it as earnestly and just honestly as we possibly could. We said amen. We led worship, went and ate Buffalo Wild Wings that night, and I went home, and I didn't think anything else of it. And the next day, Mark got to work, and he was asking his coworker, he said, hey, how's your daughter, by the way? 
He's like, well, it's the weirdest thing, but she was able to eat last night. And we're just like, wow, wow. It was, a, it was a story in my life that stuck out that I just thought, why do I not pray for things more? Why do I not pray that co-workers for their salvation? I mean, shame on us if we're talking about a coworker and we haven't spent any time at all praying for them, praying that for their salvation, praying that, that God would soften their hearts. It's really, really hard to talk bad about someone that you're actively praying for. So quick plug for the prayer team um, before we go into a moment of worship. This is what's available for us. I think we feel like that if we get up and we walk down the center aisle, that it's kind of like the walk of shame and we're going back to confess our sins to the prayer team. And that's not at all what the prayer team's there for. I mean, they possibly could be, but sitting in a Catholic church, you don't have to go and have someone pray over you for you to be forgiven. Tonight, when we go and we break into worship, we go into 120 seconds, I just want you guys to be thinking about work, thinking about how you could pray for someone at your work, pray for yourself, pray for boldness, maybe pray for someone that's sick. The prayer team each week is back there just eagerly waiting to pray with you about whatever you wanna pray for. If you've been praying by yourself for someone that's been sick or, or, or someone, Go pray with a couple people that would love to join you in that and pray for someone that's sick. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll go into 120 seconds of worship. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you that we can freely come and get to know you and love you and worship you. Pray for everyone in this room that we might have boldness tonight to go out into our workplaces and just proclaim your gospel. Pray for our coworkers. Pray for softened heart. Pray for anyone that is dealing with sickness that you just put your sovereign hand on them and heal them, Lord. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.